0: Welcome to episode seven of Confessions of a Rock and Roll Cameraman, the podcast. I'm Pat Canavan here with my great friend, Tony Wanamaker. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, man. Before we get started today talking about Chuck Berry, I just want to remind you to subscribe and like the podcast. If you're listening to Corn RC on audio, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Samsung, Google, RSS. Like us and subscribe, and then share with your friends. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and hit that bell button so that we can zing you some new episodes when they come up. And they will be coming up fast and furious. Also. Go to our website, cornrc.com, rockandrollcameraman.com, and subscribe there because we'll send you extra footage of Tony and we'll also send you the medley of the 80s novelette. A novelette? A novelette. A novelette. And now without (laughs) further ado from our sponsor, (laughs) cornrc.com. Chuck Berry and Tony's, uh, Tony getting to meet his hero, Chuck Berry, yeah. the, almost the king of rock and roll.
1: Well, I think he would argue the pioneer of rock and roll. The
0: pioneer yeah. of yeah. rock and, and we'll, roll. And
1: we'll, we'll explain that reason why. We'll make that argument. But yeah.
0: Okay, so it's, yeah. you're
1: with Much Music. Yes, sir. And
0: uh, I'm sure they're gung-ho for you going down to, to meet the pioneer of rock, rock and roll. And I guess he's playing in Kitchener. Yeah, on the
1: contrary, they weren't. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> we were. It was 1985, so we're celebrating the first year anniversary of the nation's music station, Much Music. Okay. So, yeah, so really our Pandora's box at the time was Flock of Seagulls, Madonna, The Clash, you know. Uh, we can go on down that line. But everybody who was trending in the 80s. And so if you were on the nostalgia circuit, which at that time Chuck Berry was doing, and rightly so, doing well at it, Uh, he with other artists like Brenda Lee and James Brown Um, so that's where I found him he was on this nostalgia circuit and he was going to go to Lulu's Roadhouse uh, Bar in Kitchener Ontario that's amazing so he's
0: he's going to be playing in, in Kitchener it's we're coming up to the first anniversary and you're a big
1: fan huge fan
0: you know, so yeah. what happens? You, you drive down. And- oh,
1: I'm all excited. So I managed to sneak in on the Saturday where everybody's prepping because I'd already done some work early in the week, done some pre-taping, what have you. So I had enough of an argument to posit to John Martin that I didn't need to be there. So before anybody really needed to check my, uh, my background, um, realized that I was already gone. I was on the highway heading to Kitchener.
0: Wow, late okay. afternoon, brother. Yep. Late afternoon on a Saturday to see Chuck Berry.
1: Excited to see my, that rock and roll icon, the guy who played the Red Gibson. I couldn't wait, man.
0: So Okay, so you get there. You go to Lulu's. Now, yep. Lulu's is, is kind of an iconic place too, isn't it?
1: Well, thank you, Pat. Yeah, they, they were known at one time as the biggest bar in the world. They actually won the Guinness World Book of Records. When you think about the size, the place was like 75,000 square feet. Ooh. So put that in scale, that's kind of like, uh, well, let's say if I was an American, I'd say it's a White House and a half. The a Canadian. I'm going to say it's almost two acres.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Go Canada! (laughs) Wow, Canada has the biggest bar. Had, had had the biggest bar. So you get down, you park uh, the much music car truck. You're in a, you're in a probably a Pathfinder or something. You park the vehicle. You go in and you get to
1: see. I guess you get to see Chuck Berry. Well, it's a hot August night. I'm kind of sweating. It's a little bit humid, and man, I want to hit air conditioning. So quickly go into the former Kmart store. Right, And I get back in there. It looks industrial in the back, but they haven't refurbished that area. It feels like I'm in a Kmart store. And I'm sort of standing here idle, hoping that somebody will show up. Because nobody knows I'm coming. I just decided I'm going to meet my rock star. That was was the agenda. And lo and behold, man, in comes this guy in a boogie walk. And I was, like, stunned because I was expecting the clouds to part, lightning to strike, uh, maybe some smoke. It's kind of cool. But no, up walks Chuck Berry. Like a rock and roll icon hero. Chuck Berry shows up. He doesn't have security
0: around him. He doesn't have any of that. No, nope. He's just in Kitchener.
1: Just a regular guy with a certain type of swagger and pomodored hair, man. So it's like, who is I know who that is immediately, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. So what happens? You go up and
0: say, hey. Um,
1: it turned out to be a terrible event, man. And, you know, this is that, that kind of notion. Be careful what you wish for. Because I had probably most of my life waited to meet the guy who was, you know, responsible with Johnny B. Good and Sweet Little Sixteen. I can go on Maybelline, and uh, he was a dick. He was an asshole. Um, Man, no, it it wasn't good at all. Uh, I I, I presented myself, and as a a, a dutiful uh, mutt, easy for me to say, much music employee. I explained our process of reciprocity. Basically, back then we did something like this, Pat, and you, as a musician, know this. I come in, I film a couple minutes of your performance, maybe, and I would love it, get an interview, a clip or two, explaining what you're doing at Lulu's, well, right? Sure. I take it back and we play that. Well, it's not played, <laughs> it's played to the nation, it goes to all of Canada, we're on Sky Network at the time, so it goes to all of Europe, right? And we penetrate the US, there's no question. And so that being said, your exposure is huge. That's, that's why you do promotion. But uh, he would have none of this, and he was really mean to me, man. What happened? Well, he kept waving this goddamn chicken leg in front of me, right? And it was really getting annoying seeing this little pecker coming around my nose all the time. And I explained to him, hey, man, we don't pay, but this is how we can work it out. It's kind of fair, right? It's everybody gets something. Uh, He just told me, hey, I don't want you shooting my fucking show, and you can leave. And I was like, wow, we're crossing so many lines here. And I lost my mind. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Can can I just...
0: He came up to you with a chicken leg.
1: (laughs) A chicken leg, just like that. And And he's he's like, just waving it to the nose, just waving. And I kept thinking, I was thinking, if you hit me with that chicken in the nose, you're a dead man.
0: What the? Well, you know, he's kind of the king of rock and roll.
1: Well, king of rock and roll, but did you know he punched Keith Richards right in the face, man? Yeah. I'm like, nah, I'm shocked because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, back in the day, they were making a documentary about Chuck Berry called "Hail, Hail Rock and Roll," directed by Hackford Taylor. Okay, and in it had celebrities like Eric Clapton, uh, Keith Richards. Don't forget, all of these bands love Chuck Berry, the pioneer. Well, sure. I mean, you look at George Harrison's affinity for him. Paul McCartney called him the the poet the poet laureate. John uh, John Lennon went on to say that uh, if if uh, if there wasn't the word rock and roll, it would have been Chuck Berry. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So they had, but. He was an ass. And, and it was interesting because he has issues, I think, a lot about getting ripped off. And this harkens back to the beginning of rock and roll when there was notorious contracts that ripped off people like Bo Diddley, James Brown. Uh, Chuck Berry later found out what it's like to hire legal counsel and take care of these problems. And you can correct a, a terrible contract. And he did that. But uh-huh. I think some of that Angst, uh, Pat hung over because he was really rude, really mean to me. And I'll be honest, it wasn't professional. I reached the inflection point. I'm only human. I turned around and said, "You know, Chuck, I don't want to shoot your fucking show, and I'm leaving." And I went to exit, Pat. No word of a lie. I went to exit, and this big old arm comes around me, huh. and big hug, and he goes, "Hey, man, you're all right. You can stay, and you can shoot my show." Wow. And I was like, "What? He's like, did I just meet a sociopath? How do you switch that fast?" And that being said, he said, come on down. I'm going to buy you dinner. And I, you know what we were going to have? Chicken. Chicken. Well, <laughs> you know, fried chicken. Yeah. Lots of that chicken. You got to wonder when a guy comes. KFC,
0: man. You got to wonder when a guy comes at you with a drumstick.
1: Well, that's what I said. I said, and, and, and I won't use another expletive, but I said, beep, beep. Get a bucket. <laughs>
0: so that's that's amazing so so now he, he he he's your adversary, and now he's your buddy.
1: we are pen pals b f f s man okay, yeah,
0: so you go you go in and yeah. hey, free yeah. chicken is free chicken, I guess, yeah. and uh he's got a bucket of the kernels well,
1: it's a bucket of joy when I get back there and 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 I want to leave the crescendo for a second because it's pretty cool what happened in the green room but when I mention the pioneer and all of these great global superstars love Chuck Berry. Because sure. it's argued, Pat, that he's the one who started rock and roll. Right. Because he referred to it as that hillbilly music, which we know was really a, a sort of a white colloquial term for the uh, African-American South music, which we kind of knew more as Americana, okay. right? And that's yeah. mixing in. Everybody argues that Chuck was inspired by the blues. Well, that's not really true. Yes, he's from Missouri right but he was mostly influenced by western music at the time right so he grew up listening to that and one of the songs he listened to he really loved was called ida red now ida red's an old americana folks that come around in the mid-30s right it was a really popular song and uh he uh reappropriated that song <clears throat> and played it for a guy named leonard chess leonard chess by the way he became famous chess records one of the early recording a lot like sun records sam phillips and his connection with elvis presley so we have these two things happening, or Barry Gordy and Motown Records happening at the same time right. for urban music. So, so you have this happening with uh, uh, Chuck Berry, and he records this song. And it's wild. And he recorded Maybelline. And I argue, some people say it was a song with, that involved Ike Turner. Remember Ike and Tina Turner, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, It involved Ike Turner a couple of years earlier, and that, <clears throat> pardon me, was uh, called Rocket 88, which is a song about V8 cars, man. Yeah. Big block engines, Pat. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Chuck Berry took it a step further, Pat. He recognized youth culture. <clears throat> he recognized post-war industrialism, right? And he wrote about it. And that's why McCartney refers to him as a poet, because who the hell else was writing in their lyrics? Roll over, Beethoven. Tell Tchaikovsky the news. Who, who even knew who these people were? Right. These are classic, right, composers, and he cited them. Amazing. And so, <clears throat> it was interesting in in. Uh, 2001, the Rolling Stone magazine cited this about Chuck Berry, and it kind of really evokes a lot of what we're talking about. And that is, he said, quote, I conceptualized on this fun and frolic, the post-war novelties. Uh, I wrote about cars because half the people had cars and, or wanted them. Uh, I wrote about love because everybody wants that. And says, <laughs> I wrote songs that white people could buy uh that was my goal uh to look at my bank book and see a million dollars there so chuck had no adversity to avarice he was into making money and he states that from the very get go but he grew up in a middle class family path so he didn't have the blues that you might find from a muddy waters type talking about poverty and being an african-american growing up in the south sure the jim crow south man now for mm-hmm. those you don't know jim crow uh, that was a, a term used basically about segregation that people, you know, don't want people getting uppity. And, and it was a terrible time, but these laws managed to oppress people. Okay. So James Brown was really affected by that. And he was it, impoverished and grew up with that. And being an African-American, in the South. Was,
0: yeah. Yeah. Because that's very interesting because they were sort of, they were both <laughs> born and raised at around the same time. Yep. And they both had a huge effect on the American culture. That's right. Uh, yeah. But I guess the roots, their, their, their roots, their well, experiences. Experiences, absolutely. And you'll appreciate this as place. a musician.
1: Whereas James Brown would look at the blues because he's singing about the blues.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Whereas Chuck Berry, the blues was, was and you'll appreciate it, it was 12-note progression. It was a different type of interpretation of the blues.
0: Yeah. And, and Chuck Berry was, was, again, like you were saying, yeah. how can I sell this stuff?
1: Yeah. And so when he, when, he, when he recorded Maybelline, they changed the title. You'll love it from Hydra Red to Maybelline because Leonard looked in the studio and went, oh, there's a cosmetic box. And guess what's marked on it? Maybelline. Made sense. But what, more importantly, what Chuck did in that song is he imbued two notions. One was the big car, right? Yeah. Post-war. And the other one was the fact that his girl done him wrong. She's taken off ahead of him in a Coupe de Ville. So he's playing on this idea of, of, of again, the youth culture, right? And they're all seeking joy and, 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 and seeking one another's attention.
0: Well, that's amazing because that's almost the genesis of pop culture right there. Yeah. Where you take the ingredients of the time. Oh, Pat. Put them all together and come out with a song
1: yep. that everybody wants to to ingest. Thank you. For that point, in 1986 uh chuck berry was indoctrinated into the rock and roll hall of fame okay so here he is getting his induction into ohio right he's pretty excited about it but what's fascinating is that they managed to summarize his notion his impact on rock and roll and this is what they said quote well no individual can be said to have invented rock and roll chuck berry comes closest to any single figure to being the one who put all the essential pieces together so what do they mean by that oh yeah so at the time he recorded that he recorded it with a guy named muddy waters and willie dixon okay willie dixon is famous right yeah for his background in the chicago blues okay and that's where leonard chess had the recording studio so he draws him in there to do a recording session uh and it was fascinating because again the crossroads james burke three months earlier i was in kingston jamaica and that's where i met willie dixon right he was with dizzy gillespie you know like horn player with the big cheeks yeah. beautiful and i was there for a uh uh, the International Youth Festival at the time. So uh, it's just a wonderful connection to know that at the very, w- at the embryonic stage of, of rock and roll music, I'm meeting a lot of the people who were instrumental in constructing the architects of rock and roll music.
0: So in 85, you meet Chuck Berry yeah. in Kitchener. Yes. Then you, you meet Dizzy Gillespie in Kingston. Yeah, prior. Yeah. Prior to that. Yeah uh wow serendipity
1: it's total serendipity right crazy again a, a crossroads
0: right? so let's bring it back to lulu us so let's, yes, let's, let's go back all right so you're there you you've just had a a, a brawl with the
1: <laughs> potential it would have been ugly i can't believe that happened but yeah it did.
0: so you just had a a a, a fight with uh, well an almost fight with your hero and then he invites mm. you in for for chicken and, uh, and then you go into the green room. What happens?
1: It was amazing. <clears throat> at the time, he was uh, married to Themetta Suggs, right? And uh, that was his lifelong wife. And uh, that, that took them right up to uh, 2017 when we lost Chuck Berry at the age of 90. Right. But back then, <clears throat> I was surprised when he introduced me to his flame of the night, which was a lovely uh, Caucasian woman uh, who uh, lived in that area. And I'm assuming, because I kept probing to try and find out, because, wow, this is quite the enigma, her origins. And apparently, while he was on tour <laughs> in the 60s, he hooked up with her. So what was fascinating, that there was a lot of young people there, a lot of uh, young uh, uh, North American kids jumping up and down, calling out Uncle Chuck. But they were all white. It was wild. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's because that's- <laughs> like, okay. But anyways, I did. The chicken was, well, I didn't have any chicken. I did have some of the chocolate cake. That was pretty good. But that being said, while that was happening, while I'm consuming my chocolate cake, I see some ruckus happening, and I obviously I inquire, so yeah. I stick my nose in that business, and sure enough, this is one of the great riders. And Pat, you know, uh, most musicians on the road all have riders. It's it's well, it's sure. A, it's a make sure first of all they got you know food and drink, but really it's for lawyers. Lawyers want to check that that you're adhering to the contract, and if you don't have certain points in that contract, you're technically in breach, and they can sue you for it. Uh, Chuck Berry took advantage of this. Okay, what? How? <laughs> okay, first of all, he's got to get paid twenty thousand U.S. cash before he walks on stage. Ooh, and I saw it looked like a brick, brick, of, brick of dollars, man. It was really neat to see. No, come on, yeah, come on, no. So I saw the guy just rolling out and counting it, and they're counting they it off. What? They didn't go to his agent or his manager? Straight, or his... straight in his hand, <clears throat> old school, Holy right there, sh- counting the money up, twenty grand. And then when he leaves the stage later that night, they got to give him another five thousand, just to just to temper it, right. Okay?
0: oh okay so 20 grand up front and then five on the way out if he finishes his show probably Yep.
1: Yep. so what so
0: what's the rider for
1: well as as i said the rider for him is to make extra money this is one interesting aspect of his rider in chuck berry's rider he says i have to have for the performance two unaltered fender dual showman reverb amplifiers i have no idea what that means but what i did find out that if you're lucky, you might find this piece of equipment at the Smithsonian Institution. So, kind of hard to find. Why? Because if you don't have these speakers, you owe them an extra $500 penalty. 500 bucks. <laughs> right? So, you pay them. Everybody pays the $500 bucks. Who has it, right? right? Covers the cab ride home for the, the extra wife and kids. Right? I love it. Or love it. maybe kids. Oh 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 Wow. And, so- and the other thing he stipulated... He tours on the road, so he doesn't go with a band. He goes by himself, right? And he has his trunks, trunks like circus trunks, full of clothes, right? And again, weird crossroads. Fifteen years later, I meet him right in Brampton, Brampton, Ontario. And this is now he's wearing the sailor's cap, right? It's really cool. It actually looks good on him, right? Little sailor cap. Okay. I don't know how much sailing he does, but he's got a nice sailor's cap. And uh, what was amazing is that it was supposed to be an outdoor concert, but it, I think it was a flea market pad. Anyways, there was seven people on the stage. There's a little trailer. He did his thing. And I thought, ah, it's fascinating, right? And I wonder if they had the same writer, right? But I guess that didn't pan out. Uh, So here we are. And and, and the same thing happened then, which happened way back at Lulu's, and that is uh, all the musicians have to know every one of his songs because he has no set list, man, no set list.
0: So the drummer, the bassist, the guitarist, don't travel with him. Nope. He just shows up and...
1: Because that's a lot cheaper, right? And they all have to know. And the, f- the interesting thing was, and I felt kind of sad, <clears throat> when I went out to the pit area, which is the, the area uh, just in front of the stage, and I get down in, I can shoot up. That's the pit. And uh, when I'm shooting the pit area, uh, I was watching. And in the first song, Pat, uh, Chuck Berry fired the saxophone player. He kind of looked over and went, go, you're gone, right? And the other <laughs> band members are looking pretty skittish and a little nervous, and they're playing away, like, what the hell's going on, right? Right. Uh, yeah, So, but he did make a, uh, a stipulation that I could only film three of his songs. All right. Yeah, so I, uh, so I, I filmed, uh, as you say, you heard the first song, second song, no problem. The third song, unbelievably, 3,000 people in the audience, he sh- shuts it down cold, man. Just stops, right? Just heaving in sweat, perspiration, just right. drenched.
0: And you're filming him?
1: Yep, yep. <clears throat> and I'm at the front of stage, front of house, and uh, he just walks over. Bends over, right? I I just got showered by the sweat on him, right? And he stops, he goes, Tony, I think that's enough. You can go now. So I I said, all right, thank you, Chuck, in front of 3,000 people, right? And I turned around and made my merry way back to Tranna. And that's it? That's it. So so you got three songs, he comes
0: in, shuts you down, out you go?
1: Wow. But he still stopped. He still shut down his (laughs) song. This is hilarious. I, I don't know why... I ripped this off a uh, piece of cardboard that was in the back. Maybe it was holding Kentucky Fried Chicken. I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, anyways, he signed it for me unbelievably. So, uh, yeah, Chuck Berry. And he, look at that. Look at that. See that in the end? Yeah. Happy face. Happy face. It wasn't a sad day. It was a happy day. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah. yeah.
1: So there it was. I had a chance to meet the pioneer rock and roll. And I say to my good friends, be careful what you wish for. Surprise. Yeah, yeah.
0: And and he's not always the, you know, like other uh, people we've talked about, Johnny Cash and and whatnot, who are very kind and giving you of your time.
1: He was almost like, I don't want your time. He didn't want. Didn't want to know me. Uh, I represented media, the evildoer. Uh, I was there to steal souls. There's no question. And uh, the fact that I wasn't paying, wow, that must have been a major red light for him. I'm sure oh, that set him off, right? right? right. But I don't think okay. so, because every other account, and in my book, uh, I do cite some things that are really unfavorable. They're not great, but these are truths, and they have been validated and documented. And uh, there's an aspect of his character that uh, isn't so welcoming, isn't so warming.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, he's a human.
1: Well, sometimes well, you can be an arrogant human, or you can be a good human.
0: Yeah, that's true. So, and with that beautiful note, (laughs) I want to say thanks to the uh Corn RC community, the confessions of a rock and roll cameraman podcast community for tuning in and and hearing these great stories from Tony. Thank you, Pat. Awesome, man. Where are you gonna where else are you gonna get these diverse stories in every episode? You know, so thanks for tuning in. If I haven't said already, subscribe. And we'll send you out free stuff. We'll put you in a contest to give you more free stuff. Like that. An an autographed picture of Tony with an autographed (laughs) picture of Chuck Berry. Sorry.
1: I won't hit you. I won't won't poke a chicken bone in your face. And I I won't provoke you.
0: Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time.